All right, so uh, this is day two. It's probably not day two for you guys, but it is for us. This was taking way longer than we expected. And so much so, it might have made Brett go into a coma, but to replace him today is Sam. Hi, I'm happy to be here. I'm ready to talk about the NFL a little bit and give our preseason rankings. Screw you, Brett. You're over an hour late. So we're going to just jump right back into it. And right now, on our 20th on our power rankings, we have the Bears, uh, the Chicago Bears. Uh, the Bears last year were basically what you would expect a John Fox team to be, just completely all over the place and really not offensive in any way, shape, or form. But the star of the offseason for them is definitely Mitch Trubisky, as he's been getting a lot of hype from all the analysts ranging on like every network. They've just fallen in love with his intangibles being like a big, bulky, Andrew Luck-looking quarterback. People seem to forget he came from UNC, a place that's been never known for football. And another thing about Trubisky is that he's really never been able to throw the football that well. He always struggled in accuracy and arm strength. Yeah, it's like a developmental project that definitely wasn't being – wasn't worth what they traded. They traded, like, their first-round picks for a good amount of time to draft Trubisky. And then they also just traded away to get a player that we actually think is good in Khalil Mack, which was a big trade from a few days ago. I'll tell you what, man, I really miss Khalil Mack out there. <laughs> tell you what, none of the linebackers I uh, led on the team are not that good. I'll tell you what, man, I think their odds jumped by about 60 to 1. That's pretty damn good, man. I'll tell you what, <laughs> I love those odds. I'll tell you what, I'm clinically depressed now, man. What do you guys think uh, Khalil Mack is going to make in terms of impact for that team? Well, Khalil Mack's one of the best defensive players in football, so he's easily going to add at least another 13-plus sacks on the season for them and also just a very disruptive member of their D-line, which was pretty weak to start the season. So I think he's going to definitely be a positive, but it might not be the tipping point that's going to make them a really, really legit defense like we might anticipate. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of like top 10 defensive vibes from them, and I really just don't see that at all. Yeah, I don't get that vibe either. They've got a decent uh, defensive backfield, but aside from Khalil Mack, their front line doesn't really stand out to me. Yeah, they haven't had a really good pass rusher since Julius Peppers, which really wasn't that good of a pass rusher. But it was the best one they've had in quite some time. They also have Danny Trevathan in the linebacking core, who's a solid linebacker. Not like knock your socks off like he was on that Denver defense a few years ago. But that's just expected when you're going from a team full of at least five pro bowlers on the defensive end and really none. I got to tell you, though, I really, really think it's going to help Roquan Smith a lot to have a guy like Khalil Mack out there. I think So it should be Khalil Mack starting at middle linebacker and then... Yeah, they're moving him back to linebacker. He's no longer yep. going to be a pass rusher. Yep, and then so that means Roquan Smith is inside or outside? Inside. He's inside? Yeah, he's on the depth chart. He's inside right now. I think it's really going to help him out. I know sure. uh, not to be you know the guy with the spoiler alert, but I think there's a few of us who have him in the running for Defensive Rookie of the Year. <laughs> and by Stay a few tuned. of us, I mean one. I thought it was two. Mm. Oh, you changed yours? I never changed mine. Yeah, it's just one of us. <laughs> I can't wait to find out who that may be. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chicago's in a really, a really good division, honestly. Not excluding the Lions, who aren't really good. But, I mean, you're playing Aaron Rodgers twice. You're playing Kirk Cousins twice. You're playing two pretty good offenses. I think the defense 
getting Khalil Max going to help them with those teams, but also they hired Matt Nagy as their coach, who's an offensive mind. So that's not going to help them defensively at all. I mean, honestly, I think maybe having John Fox this season would have probably helped that defense a lot more, but he wasn't working with much. So I guess they they definitely did this hire for Trubisky. So they're expecting him to show something like throw more than 10 touchdowns in a season. Didn't think that was possible, <laughs> but Mitch, Mitch surprised. <laughs> so the top target for them this year is definitely Allen Robinson. Uh, he was signed from Jacksonville. Who's He's shown potential. He had a really good year two years ago with Blake Bortles. I think a 10-plus touchdown year. You guys? Yeah, and uh, but the only thing that worries me about Robinson is his ability to stay healthy because if he's hurt like he was last year, then they won't get anything from him. Then looking past Robinson, like all they've got is Trey Burton, who's a good guy to dump it off to, but you can't really run an offense through him. And then they also have Taylor Gabriel as their number two receiver, and I don't even think he was, like, catching passes for the Falcons when he was there, mainly just a special teamer. I think Kevin White is still on the team. Kevin White is the most injured man in the history of the NFL. More than um, the Ravens wide receiver, Treadwell. Treadwell I haven't even heard of, so he's probably more injured than White. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he hasn't touched the field. Um, So I'd say that's it for Chicago. Any uh, predictions? For how you think their season's going to go? The Bears. 8-8 eight and eight tops. Actually, you know what? Gut feeling here. Tariq Cohen has a very good year. Really? I, I kind of say things, you know, with just like nothing to back it up, but you know what? Gut feeling. It's fun to be the wild card. I, I, am, I am Charlie Day. Wild card! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, I'm going to second that. I think Tariq Cohen has a lot of potential. He could be uh, maybe a uh, Deion Lewis type back this year. Never know. Yeah, I could also see that. Are we expecting a big year from Jordan Howard? It seems like a lot of hype is behind him. Jordan Howard is going to get a huge workload. They've already been saying that they're going to be using him on all three downs this year. So given that, if he can stay healthy, I could see him being over a 1,000-yard, 10-touchdown rusher because he was very good last year. He had a couple of spurts. We had some huge games. But it's the modern NFL. There's injuries left and right, so it's hard to predict. Yeah, I'd say so, too, on that front. I mean, they're trying to get him to become a, ca- a pass-catching back. But, I mean, frankly, it's something that's really – seems like players have it or they don't. You don't see many cases where those run-first running backs develop into a pass-catching back because it really just takes, like – you need some wide receiver skills on top of it. And I really don't think Tariq Cohen um, – not Tariq Cohen. Uh, Jordan Howard has that in his wheelhouse, really. Yeah, uh, Jordan Howard reminds me of a young Willis McGahee, and Willis McGahee was never a pass-catching back. But he was still a very good running back. Exactly. So that's not – you're not going to complain. Yeah. They should be happy with what they've got there in Chicago. Yeah, I think they're like in a year or two, they definitely have potential to step into that spot and make a real name for themselves in the NFC. I just don't think it's this year. As Michael Jordan once said, the ceiling is the roof, and I really believe that for these Bears. So we're moving on to number 19 with the uh, quote-unquote elite quarterback, uh, Joe Flacco. Oh, Probably the last year we're going to see Joe Flacco. But, hey, you know what? It's been a wild ride watching that unibrow. You got to cherish it while you can watch him because that man is elite or is he elite. Regardless, he's worth watching. Yeah, I mean, I love watching him deep bomb still to this day, but still struggling to throw quick slants. (laughs) You know, it's really a miracle. That was honestly the best playoff QB play I've ever seen for a court. Like, he played so much above what he actually is as a quarterback he was lights out he was connecting on every deep throw to jacoby jones 
He made Jacoby Jones look so elite, he made it onto Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> no one ever talks about that. Yeah, that was just totally unprecedented. I don't know how he was playing like that. I think he, I think he came to the field on a Pegasus that day. I'm pretty sure, too. I mean, they destroyed that Peyton Manning Broncos team, which that was not an easy team to beat. That was when Peyton Manning's neck was fully functional and could still throw the football. (laughs) And could turn around to look at his brothers, Eli and Cooper. Also, poor Cooper. What happened to that guy? Oh, my God. Rest in peace to Cooper Manning. Um, He's still alive. He does real estate. The um, the Baltimore Ravens really are a team that's really in a quagmire between like a rebuild and like pushing for a playoff spot. Last year they had an OKC. They've seemed like under Harbaugh for the past few years. They've just had OK seasons. It has like he went from being a team that everyone was afraid of playing when he had Ray Lewis and Ed Reed on the defensive end, looking really solid, to that defense. It it's still a very good defense. Well, they do still have Pro Bowlers and C.J. Mosley and Terrell Suggs. I know he's still old, but he can still do a lot of good things. Yeah, he's great. And then uh, their cornerbacks and Jimmy their Smith. yeah, Jimmy Smith. Well, Jimmy Smith has the suspension. Oh, really? Yeah, because of I don't remember what he did, but he did something stupid to get himself in trouble. But looking past that, Marlon Humphrey never heard of him, and then Brandon Carr, who hasn't been good since he was with the Chiefs, so a lot he of worries. Like shut down corner in da- in uh, Dallas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Totally worth the money. Um, I'm everyone is hyping up this Levar, uh, Lamar Jackson train. I'm not on that train at all. I thought you were gonna say Lavar Ball for for a hot second. He there. could be there. I mean, no one's heard of him in quite some time. Big baller Baltimore. Oh my god. Whoa. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm really not on the Lamar Jackson hype train. His arm is very inaccurate. His it, IQ, I think, is seven. It would have made more sense for him to take the Braxton Miller route and try to enter in as a wide receiver because he is very electric when he's running up the field. But if he's throwing up the field, it's going to be like you hold your breath. You're kind of rolling the dice every time, and the odds are not in your favor when you make that throw. I watched him in preseason like a good amount, and I was very surprised in how like I don't know how combine scouts didn't see it quicker that that arm is not going to translate. That's going to take a lot of years to even get, like, a mediocre season out of them. Joe Flacco is not the mentor you want. <laughs> well, maybe Robert Griffin III is the mentor you want. That I That is a great point. RG3 is on this team this year, and it's really good to have RG3 back in the league, I have to say. I missed him. Also, if Lamar Jackson gets hurt, you know that RG3 is going to refer him to as many doctors as he possibly can. So yeah. that's a plus. But right now on the depth Thanks, chart, Rob. they have RG3 as the two. It came out Spicy. earlier this week that he is the two. They're having Lamar Jackson at the three. They didn't want him to play. Ouch, that's a slap in the face. It shouldn't be a Get slap. Get smarter, Lamar. He is very – he doesn't speak well. It seems like a lot of athletes these days are trained very well and how to talk. They don't really slip up, and they sound very like profound when they talk about whatever sport they're playing. I don't think Lamar Jackson has coaching. He'll <laughs> get there. I'd love to be in that QB room between RG3, Joe Flacco, and Lamar Jackson talking over film. I just imagine, like, RG3 going really in-depth and, like, really amazing everyone in the room, oh, and Lamar God. Jackson just goes, I thicken that, <laughs> like, in the back of the room. I, th- I, I agree with that. <laughs> That's a good quality play there. What a quarterback camp that would be. Oh, my God. John Gruden, Joe Flacco, RG3, and Lamar Jackson. It's like the Beatles. 
it's like you're getting three eras of football. You're getting like the one season wonder. You're getting a player that no one really cares about anymore. And then a player that has a really big amount of hype behind him. If Lamar Jackson was a little better, it would be more warranted. Um, they also sign, they have a, uh, an interesting wide receiver core. Um, definitely not the best. It's not terrible. Michael Crabtree was very, very legit for a long time. Um, and we also saw John Brown show some flashes of greatness in his, I think, two years ago when he was in Arizona. Mm-hmm. So there's potential there, but nothing that's really, like, established yet. Yeah. I mean, Michael Crabtree is basically – he was really good in Oakland two years ago, and then everyone jumped on him being better than Amari Cooper. But then both of them were terrible last year. No one really stepped up in that wide receiver core. But, I mean, Joe Flacco, he needs a one – I'd say the favorite is probably Cat Crabtree with a slight possibility that John Brown, considering Joe Flacco likes to throw deep and John Brown's specialty is speed, could be the option. That offense is not going to be that great. It's probably going to be carried by Collins, their starting running back. Back to the deep pass thing. They also have Willie Sneed, who's a pretty good deep the receiver. The need for Sneed. The need for Sneed, yep. <laughs> yeah, that's a – you know what? I'm, I'm sorry to change it. They have, a, like, an okay group. It has some potential. Now that we're talking about it, I actually really, really like it. I just don't like that Joe Flacco's throwing them the football. Like, if you gave Tom Brady that wide receiver core, I'd be ecstatic. <laughs> but it's not. It's Joe Flacco. And Tom Brady turns water into wine. Hallelujah. Also, just the really just, yeah, just on a quick side note, ever since the 49ers Seahawks NFC Championship a couple years ago, anytime anybody says Michael Crabtree, in my head, I say it like, Crabtree! <laughs> What are you talking about, Crabtree? Crab like a sorry receiver like Crabtree? That's the result you're going to get. Who is talking smack to you? Crabtree! <laughs> Man, Richard Sherman's legacy is going to be so mixed when he retires. <laughs> um, Yeah, Collins is like, he proved himself last year. He's very highly touted right now in fantasy as a good running back. I just, they seem to always find a good running back. I don't think there's been one year where Baltimore's had a bad one in quite some time. They found Justin Forsett out of nowhere and made him a really good running back for a few years. Ray Rice, as everyone knows, before Ray Rice happened, was very the good. Elevator. Yeah, he was a very good running back. And then, yeah, Collins is like the latest diamond in the rough to pop out. And, you know... He will be good. I'm expecting a pretty solid season. They can rely on him to run the ball on like basically all the downs. So what are we thinking for the season for the Ravens? Are we thinking I don't know because we have the middle of the pack. We have them kind of low. You know what's what is their ceiling? Well, I think given their division, the fact that they're going to be playing the Browns twice a year and the Bengals twice a year, they have the potential to possibly get over eight wins. But that could be pushing it. I'm not really sure. I'm a huge like Browns believer this year not to do playoff potential but I view when they play the, I view when they play the Ravens I view I think the Bengals are going to be bad so that's def, they're definitely better than the Bengals I'd say two wins against the Bengals Yeah they I think they might split with Baltimore and the Browns I think that will be a split series I mean any divisional game is different that's than if tough. you're playing them Look at the AFC the East division. I mean the Patriots have been so good for so long but anytime they play anybody in the East it feels like for the most part it's always a very very highly contested game. Especially, like, in the Patriots' case, it's kind of like when every bad team plays them in their division. It's kind of like the Super Bowl for that team. Like, they get to prove yeah. themselves against a really good opponent that it's they like know Christmas. well. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I'm going to say Baltimore finishes either second or third. I'm going to go nine and seven. I don't know why. I'm just saying it. I'm going to say I'm going to agree with that with the nine and seven. Okay. So now we're moving on to the G-Men, who in quite some time haven't been that relevant. But you know what? They're making a comeback, and they're making it really a really strong case for being a good team this year. Can I just say Ben McAdoo was the ugliest human being on the face of the earth? I don't even – he shouldn't have slicked his hair back. I, I mean, thought that, that was that, a smart move. I, I, I still thought he was ugly. Ben McAdoo's hair was literally the worst thing to happen to football in a long time. <laughs> Wannabe porn star, that's all I can say. It's the second greatest coaching name in the league besides Jim Bob Cooter. Oh, yes. Don't forget about that mustache too. Oh, I love when janitors are the coaches of a team. You know, I'm kind of – I'm like kind of tired of this whole idea that an offensive coordinator on a really good team – is the reason they were good because it really it has it's like a 50 50 shot that mm-hmm. it's the players or the coach mm-hmm. um ben mcadoo was his high was the giants offensive coordinator and got promoted last time i checked the giants haven't had a lights out offense in quite some time don't know how ben mcadoo was considered for that job to start with when geno smith was on the field it was like they were playing with the lights off i mean it was absolutely terrible Great call by McAdoo, though. Yeah, one of the worst coaching decisions last year was by far benching Eli Manning. That was just didn't make any sense. I think of all time, more than anything, I just thought it was disrespectful. It definitely was. Like you, you're the head coach of a historic franchise, and that quarterback has led your team to two Super Bowls and won them. Eli Manning is probably. I don't feel this is a hot take. Is one of the most disrespected quarterbacks of all time, considering his accolades. Yeah, I think that Eli Manning, although he's had his a lot of downs throughout his career, his ups are just as high as anybody in the history of the NFL, you know, especially beating that 2007 Patriots team. Just can't knock him for that. I mean, everyone always go, jumps to the argument that the defense was the reason he won those games. The defense didn't put the points on the board, yeah. and he they didn't make the historic throws against those defenses. I mean, the Patriots defense in the second one was the worst in football, but it's still a Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, Eli Manning, he still escaped that pass rush and still made that throw to David Tyree, although I hate it as a yep, Pats fan, same. but he, he got the job done, and you can't, can't deny it. That being said, I felt like the door on Eli's career in New York probably should have closed this year. I don't – it's basically off like I feel like they felt bad of how the last year went, so this is kind of like his – like gift from the franchise being like yeah you know you have been here for so long and you're loved in the fan base so we're just gonna keep you around for like one or two more years because you're they don't think he's washed up he's washed up that arm is done it's like eli manning is the really desperate girlfriend that went back to the asshole boyfriend after he cheated a couple times and like the driving <laughs> oh my god he this year like they can manage to have a good offense because they have really good weapons, and Evan Ingram is a great young tight end. He had a lot of potential last year. He showed it in some games. He definitely wasn't consistent. They also have the arguably a top-five wide receiver in football, depending on how you feel about OBJ. Um, he's probably going to have a lights-out season because him and Eli dance in commercials together, so they obviously have great chemistry. And uh, Saquon Barkley, their number two pick, which could have been Sam Darnold, gutsy move that basically locks them into another one or two more years of Eli. Eli could have mentored Darnold and it probably would have been a better landing spot for him than the Jets. J-E-T-S. Jets. 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 Here's the thing about Saquon Barkley. Um, fantasy wise, he, I think on most 
draft boards, he's the number six. six or number seven. Mm-hmm. That hasn't happened since Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott had Fournette a was also on the hype train. Oh, he was. Yes. Okay. Who didn't draft him? I wouldn't. Ever know. since <laughs> uh, the Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon draft, running backs that are rookies have been first round picks for quite some time, based off of hype. Which honestly, they have mostly paid off, so it hasn't been bad. But at some point, you're gonna find a bust in a running back. I don't think Barkley's. But Barkley's a lock yeah, to be yeah, a really definitely. good player. Yeah, Barkley's got the combination of, combination of size, speed, catching ability, uh, agility, everything up and down the board. Except the only thing that worries me a little bit is that he had a small injury history when he was at Penn State. He did miss a good amount of games. So if he can stay healthy, then he'll be awesome. But if not, I think it's a legit problem. The one preseason game that Barkley played in, he first like the first snap of his career he ran it for like 30 yards right off the bat people were freaking out about that that was on house of highlights that was everywhere yeah it was but after that they shut him down he was done they're like we saw we needed to see you're not getting hurt we need you because this offense is going to rely a lot on a run game Mm because last year they didn't have one darkwa like forget about it (laughs) my man he was basically the equivalent of like finding a ups man and being like hey you look athletic. I haven't played since high school. All right, get you out there. You want to try out or what? <laughs> it's open It's open season out here in the New York Giants uh, running backs. We're trying to tank. We got anyone. We got our electrician being the kicker. Doesn't matter. Uh, but, yeah, this year offers a lot of promise. Yeah, uh, I want to get to the real talking point of this team, and that's their defense, which I think has a legit opportunity to be a top-five defense in football this year because up and down the list you have guys like Landon Collins, Eli Apple, Janoris Jenkins, Alec Ogletree, Olivier Vernon, who are all Pro Bowl players, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, still all very overlooked. Yeah, exactly. Olivier Vernon's career, no one's talked about him since the Dolphins, and he was a huge signing a few years ago. Yeah, he was the biggest signing of that free agency class. And JPP is not there. Yeah, I think he's in Tampa with half of his hand. Unfortunately. Rip. But their secondary is really good. They even let go of Rodgers Cromartie. And that didn't seem to really weaken their team. It doesn't seem like it's going to weaken their team that much. That guy's like 35 kids, I think, with like 35 different women. You ever hear about that? That's Antonio Cromartie. Ooh, that's awkward. I have to go. <laughs> no, but Dominic Rogers Cromartie, he signed with the Raiders, I believe. Mm-hmm. So that's another old, old man that John Gruden's uh, taking another shot with. So see how that worked out for him. Dominic, if you're listening, I'm really sorry about that. Uh, Antonio, if you're listening... <laughs> You're a player, my guy. <laughs> it's with, like, is is it with the same women? Oh, no, it's not. He doesn't even know the names of, like, half. I, I remember watching that, and I was just, like, astounded. I bet him and Dwight Howard are Eskimo brothers. Through some loop. Which is, yeah, it's it's probably bound to happen. All right. Uh, so what are we thinking for the Giants? I'm thinking they're really – they're the definition of a boomer bust team. It's going either way, and it really does depend on if the – the Giants defense will probably – I believe they will be like a top ten defense guaranteed, top five possibly. It really does depend on how well that offense pushes because if the offense is not on the field a lot, if they struggle, that defense is just naturally going to get worn out. It doesn't matter how much talent you have, it's going to drain. It really does depend on Eli's arm to determine the success of this football team. And I, I'm i not in the camp that believes he's going to do it. It's the That's NFC why I have that low. It's the NFC East, so I think uh, the Eagles have got this, I mean, without a doubt. But I, I know people disagree with me on this. I really don't think the Redskins are going to be good this year. I think they're the second-worst team in the NFL. You know, it's a hot take. Freaking sizzling. It's like jalapeno popper in your mouth. Here's the thing. 
Cowboys and Giants, I think, will compete for that second spot. And I think they're both boomer bust teams that could be competing for probably the last seed in the NFC. I agree with that. I'd say that my ceiling for the Giants this year, this is bold. I think that they could hit a 12-4 and record. Because if Barkley turns out to be the back that he could be, and Beckham turns into an Odell Beckham year, their defense is going to do what they do. And like they can beat a lot of teams in this NFL. Did you say 12-4? and four? I did say 12-4. and four. That is his. I'm on the floor right now. That's amazing. I need life alert. The Holy real crap. question about this division is based off of how the game went last night, the F- Eagles and Atlanta game. That offense for the Eagles is really stagnant for a little bit. So if Wentz doesn't come back in a good amount, like give him like two or three more weeks, this team could be one and two to start, which get, kind of opens it up a little bit because they're going to lose games even when Wentz comes back. So them losing two games off the bat that they should have probably won, I think the Giants could have an – like any – the Dallas or the Giants could have an opening to just take this division from the Eagles. Yeah, there's ample opportunity here. And, like, when I say 12-4, and four, that's, like, a really high ceiling. But, like, I think that if they put it together and their defense is as strong as we anticipate that they will be, um, I don't know if the Dallas Cowboys can really – as well this year because they don't have a single receiver on their roster. I don't even think I can name any of them. And also uh, their defense isn't as strong as it used to be. It's kind of injury riddled. So I'd say that it's the Giants division to take, honestly. Mm-hmm. The Cowboys top receiver and we'll get to that in a couple minutes is Cole Beasley. And that's like am I wrong? I thought he was their top one. Alan Hearns. Well, I'm just going to stop talking at this point. Either way, we're talking about Alan Hearns, so... That's a good point. All right, we're going to move on to Detroit. They're number 17 on our list. They've been the same team for quite a few years. Who else misses Calvin Johnson? I do. Uh, Matthew Stafford does. Mm-hmm. Golden Tate's great. He's not Calvin Johnson. That's true. Marvin Jones is good. He's not Calvin Johnson. Nope. You can't replace a Hall of Fame wide receiver, and that's what Calvin Johnson was to this team. Matthew Stafford, every year, honestly, I feel like he produces a really good season but doesn't get any recognition for proving how good he is. But Golden Tate's good. Marvin Jones is, has proven himself. They Their running backs are actually the talk of this team this year. There's a lot of hype behind Carrion Johnson. Let's talk about Amir Abdullah. That guy's amazing. That's what one of our friends says. Shout out to Jeremy Batten. Jeremy Batten, if you're listening, I only said that for you. Amir Abdullah is not good. I'm so sorry, man. There was a lot of hype from him coming out of college. He just hasn't produced. So they decided to, uh, you know, give the ball to Theo Riddick a ton. (laughs) Who I didn't think was that bad. I really didn't. He's a really good pass back. Yeah. Yeah, he can catch the ball, but he can't really hold on to it. He had a lot of fumbles last year, I remember. But the thing that I do like about them is that they have a ton of running back depth because they have Carrion Johnson, who I think has the potential to be a sort of every down back. Yeah. And then they've got LeGarrette Le- Blunt, who's goal line a back. goal line superstar. And then you've got Riddick and Abdullah, who can both catch the ball out of the backfield. And then don't forget about Zach Zenner, double Z. Oh, yeah. That man can play a little bit. I um I was honestly very surprised that Amir Abdullah made the roster, considering how much depth they have. Yeah, I feel too. like it was already a role they had filled with Theo Riddick. So it's kind of I feel like they kind of wasted that roster spot. They lost. They they didn't lose really. They let Eric Ebron go away. Darn. 
<laughs> he was a really You won't be missed. He was really overhyped as a tight end. Never really produced on the goal line like he was supposed to. Who is the replacement for Eric Ebron this year? Uh Luke Wilson, former oh. Seahawks tight end. There goes the Wilson to Wilson connection. That's what Chris Collinsworth always loved to say. There goes one of his many sayings. Uh Luke Wilson's okay. He's definitely not gonna light up that red zone. Or I hate taking away content from Chris Collinsworth. He only has such said. a limited amount. Oh, oh, Odell. Wilson to Wilson, Al. Did you see that? Oh, oh dear God. <laughs> um, I have yeah. to go to the bathroom, Al. <laughs> so the Detroit Lions also hired the worst of the two NFL uh, assistant coaches for the Patriots, Matt Patricia. Ooh. Man, you know, he was really good at defense. You know how we know that? We don't because the defense was terrible in the Super Bowl, and it didn't really show. And honestly, I don't think we've had a top defense under Matt Patricia. He's just a really like a really smart guy is what everyone says. Well, they always had like a top 10 defense, and the Super Bowl, like, I think that that game is an exception to the season that they had because you look at the team that we put out there, we had Eric Rowe as a number two corner, and Eric Rowe is a bottom five corner in the entire NFL, in my opinion. Then when he gets hurt and you put in whoever's backing him up, like, it's a recipe for failure. So, I don't know if you can put that loss on uh, Patricia. I just feel like our defense has always been that type of the bend but don't break. Like, 20 to 20 defense will give up every yard, but when we're inside the 20, we'll shut you down to a field goal. I don't think that Detroit has that defensive talent to do that. They have Darius Slay at corner, and they have Ezekiel Ansah as a pass rusher. And they've also got Glover Quinn playing safety. I just I don't think that highly of this Detroit defense. They weren't the defense they were a while ago when Sue was there. It's not like one that strikes fear into teams. Ezekiel Ansah at it was at his best when he had Sue there because he was able to Sue would eat the double team and then Ansa was one on one. Now that Ansa's the best one, it's not gonna do a whole lot. Yeah, I, mean, I think they, they're I think they're gonna learn pretty quickly that Matt Patricia was not the answer for the defense. He's I, I okay, here's the thing. I think we all loved Matt Patricia just because he looked like a smart guy. He had a pencil in his ear at all times, but he was also, you know, he looked like, like a mattress salesman. So he was just kind of fun, you know. You thought he was good, but the Patriots' defense was never good. I think Detroit's going to learn that pretty quickly. The thing that people don't understand about Patriots' defensive coordinators is that Belichick is the defensive coordinator. What? What are you talking about? He... It's not like he talks to them during every timeout. He is the one who runs that ship. You can't tell me that Matt Patricia was the one who said, let's not play Malcolm Butler. Matt Patricia would play Malcolm Butler if he committed a murder. It's not good. (laughs) You've got to throw him out there. This, I don't think he has the leadership intangibles that are going to translate to this turnaround that the Giants, that the Lions fans are expecting. I don't, yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, I'd have to agree on that too. Um, so I'm going to say they finish like seven and nine. I'm expecting a kind of the same year. We go eight and eight. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. The Lions always seem to underwhelm. I'd say that they're good for seven and nine. So would we say that Detroit is better or worse than the bears? Let's ignore ceiling and basement. Let's just talk about what like an average season would be like for both. I'd have to take the lions, but that's only because I trust Matt Stafford more than I feel the same exact way. I'm expecting another Pro Bowl year from Matthew Stafford. He's going to sling it for 5,000 yards probably. It's just amazing how he can do that with now just 
Marvin Jones Jr. This does pose the question, given that Matt Stafford has been so successful with mediocrities ever since Calvin Johnson left, does he have potential to be a Hall of Fame quarterback? I think he probably Ooh. needs a little more playoff success. I think he's made the playoffs twice, and they've lost in both times. But he definitely has the talent of a Hall of Fame quarterback. That's I'd say sure. his best comparison is Philip Rivers. Mr. Rivers. They both throw that weird sidearm throw, too. Yeah, so. that's true. Uh, so now this is probably the most talked about team all offseason in terms of hype. It's the San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy G. Jimmy GQ. Crabtree. <laughs> Richard Sherman, baby. I think we should just start by talking about Jimmy G. Obviously, Patriots fans were really questioning their morals when the Patriots decided to dump Jimmy G for a second-round pick. I think I cried. When, before that draft last year started, the Browns offered their first pick for Jimmy G. <laughs> so we yeah. could have had Miles Garrett, but instead we took well, Duke Dawson, who's oh, now on IR. Thank God. Who would want Miles Garrett anyways? He's like, okay. He's okay if you, like exceptional potential <laughs> and like jadavian clowny esque physical attributes no new england would be too cold for him we don't want him there <laughs> anyways so the question to ask about jimmy g is 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 what we've seen so far kind of a fluke or should we we're not going to expect he's going to go undefeated for his whole career but what should we expect less porn stars more average women i'd say that's you, a fair statement. You know, actually, no. Women find him very attractive. So, even a few men, <laughs> like Ian, he's a good-looking guy. <laughs> Jimmy Handsome, Jimmy Jawline. Ooh. 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 <laughs> Put that on a T-shirt. I love it. <laughs> um, Garoppolo, I believe, is about to take a fall to earth. I think this offense is not built to sustain a really solid season of production Snap out of back it. To he does have the best coach for him, though. That's what he has going mm. for him. Yeah, Shanahan is a little bit of a quarterback guru. He made Matt Ryan look amazing. And as we all know, Matty Ice is okay. As my fantasy team can attest, Matt Ryan is not that good. Rise up, go Falcons. Thanks for the last night, anyways. Uh, yeah, their number one wide receiver is Marquise Goodwin. He's, he's shown potential. He can run downfield, but, like, I mean, it's Marquise Goodwin. We're, there's not a lot that we've seen from him. At the end of last season, he was, like, a clear number one for them. He had good production, but he does drop balls. So That definitely didn't warrant them not targeting a wide receiver. Very questionable. Yeah, the signing of Pierre Garçon. Uh, bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> bonjour, Monceau, mademoiselle. Garçon, s'il vous plaît. <laughs> yeah, Garcon hasn't been good since he had that one good year with the Redskins and Peyton Manning and Peyton Manning. So mm -hmm. he's been a, he's fallen off, but who knows? Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo is good enough where he'll bring out the what Peyton Manning brought out in Pierre Garcon. The hype train was behind Jarek McKinnon, who has fallen to the injury bug and probably would have honestly fallen to being a bust because I did not feel he was worth the money they spent or the hype that was behind him. Jarek McKinnon has always been a running back at least in terms of fantasy, that when you look at him, you're like, I mean, I guess I'll pick him up. Him and Matt Anciata I always viewed as equal in talent. 
Yeah, they've been the guys when AP gets hurt and the other team's defense has prepared for AP, then they get hit with Asiata and McKinnon. That's when they can burst out and have good performances. But now, if he were healthy, they'd be prepared for McKinnon. And as we saw when he had an increased role with the Vikings last year, just simply not as good. I just really didn't see the reason to overpay for Jerick McKinnon. I felt like there wasn't a lot of camps that were like, we have to pick up this running back. He's displayed so much. So now they've decided, hey, you know what? Let's go for another running back that was once really hyped. Let's take up Alfred Morris. Oh, no, that's dusting off an oldie. Oh, my God. Alfred Morris used to be Mr. Consistent. <laughs> he was very consistent. No one complained about him because he would give you the numbers that you wanted, but nothing more, nothing less. That was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. This is Alfred Morris with a cane. Yeah. Alfred Morris, the last time he touched the field, was basically the Cowboys' backup. And that he was okay. Like, still not great. I'm not expecting a huge run game from them this year. I don't see much in that area. I mean, you guys can tell me if you think otherwise. But uh, I feel like it's pretty – like, the the whole consensus is their run game was destroyed by Jarek McKinnon getting out. Tell me if you feel a different way. Didn't you think Alfred Morris and Doug Martin were going to change the NFL? Because I feel like they came out together. Maybe maybe it was, like, two years apart or a year apart or something. Maybe it was the same year. I don't remember. I really liked Alfred Morris out of college. Yeah. I was really glad that him and RG3 were the tandem in Washington. Yeah, his first year in Washington, he was pretty fun to watch. Um, he was Mr. Consistency, as we said, and just an overall productive player, but I think his best years are behind him. So I'm not expecting a huge year for that. I think that was a huge hit to their offense. I think they were really expecting to use McKinnon in the pass back like, situation, too, but I'm not expecting Almo to do that at all. Yeah, although that being said, they do have the smartest uh, fullback in football and Kyle Juszczyk Harvard graduate so mm-hmm. maybe his brain will help the run game a lot but the brain can only do so much in football the fullback is like a really underused position nowadays with all the spreads and like going three wide receiver two tight end running back I I think it's really important to have a good tight end that might make a di- uh, fullback that might that'll make a huge difference I think actually yeah because he can definitely open up the running game with an already pretty good offensive line that has Joe Staley coming back and uh, Joshua Garnett who are both pretty good players their defense still though is not a major talking point How, what do you see from Richard Sherman going into the season I'm tree I thought the signing of Richard Sherman was whoever was doing it is taking a huge risk I mean Achilles injuries are no joke especially in like football where it's all about snap instincts and if you lose that little burst especially at a corner where you need to take a recovery step to try to cut off a wide receiver that's huge i'm i'm in the camp that i think richard richard sherman was already in decline before that achilles tear happened so they kind of are i think they got him to be a vocal leader more than anything for that defense be a voice because he's definitely a good leader I'm not expecting a return to Pro Bowl form for Richard. Yeah, I don't think this is a boomer bust signing at all. I think it's, you know, veteran presence. I think he'll have a very middle of the pack season. I think maybe over the over under for interceptions for him probably should be three. Yeah, that's a fair statement. This is definitely a locker room signing, but uh, there is a lot that comes with that as he is a great leader and he's a very smart player and he can also help develop their young uh, defensive backfield into something better than it would be when if they didn't have Sherman. Crabtree. So, everyone's thinking the 49ers are this year's Rams, that they're going to step up. I personally don't think so. I have them going 8-8. I, I don't think so either. I'm going to say if they're lucky, like 10-6, and six, but I think realistically 8-8, eight and 9-7. Eight, and seven. Yeah, I agree on the 8-8. Eight and eight. Rip to Marquise Goodwin. Um, so, this is 
interesting because the more I stare at this, the more I disagree with it. Um, number 15 is the Dallas Cowboys. Ooh, a middle-of-the-pack season from the Dallas Cowboys. Who would have thunk it? Jason Garrett is the king of an average season after Jeff Fisher retired. Jeff Fisher mm. decided to hand the crown of being average over to Jason Garrett. His protege. It's ironic because now everyone, uh, two years ago, talked about Dak as he was going to be the future of the NFL. Dak, Dak's And got now to they're talking back. about him that he's the definition of average. Mm. Where does everyone stand on Dak? Better in the run game than anything. I mean, okay, so we were talking about this before. Their top two receivers are Alan Hearns and Cole Beasley. Arguably, that's not that it's about the same as getting the production of a washed-up Des Bryant and a washed-up Jason Witt. Uh, let me also add in that they do have Tavon Austin and Terrence Williams. Terrence Williams is very, good. He's all right, yeah. He's shown flashes of being pretty good. And then Tavon Austin, like, he's a real wild card because he had a couple of seasons in uh, St. Louis where he could actually show that he could do stuff with the ball. And then last year he ended up getting, like, 100 yards total. So it's hard to say with him, but... Let me just say, as the owner of a signed Tavon Austin jersey, uh, I'm really hoping he's good because I have financial investment in him. But I'm not expecting it. He's definitely I, – I see the one being um, Terrence Williams. I'd probably give you, like, a Big Mac for that jersey. It's – as of right now, it's not much. It's I'm, a Los Angeles Rams throwback jersey, so at least it's cool. Ooh. Way to add some context there. <laughs> uh, so – I'd say a fair thing to say about Dak is that since his rookie year where he lit it up, he also just hasn't had quality talent around him in the passing. I mean, he has the best lineman in football. Mm-hmm. But Always. if you're throwing it to no one, you can be open all day. Yeah, You still have to throw it to somebody. This is Zeke's season. Yeah, and also with Jason Witten retiring, he doesn't have that safety valve anymore. Yeah, exactly. I mean – Jason Witten was a tight end, I feel like, is like the quarterback's best friend. Because when all of your reads aren't there in the wide receivers, you're looking to your tight end as your safety. Because you're usually matched up against a linebacker, which will be a mismatch for speed, or a safety, which is a mismatch for height. I don't think they have any talent that's going to replace him in that front. So it's going to be really hard for him to find that safety valve. Which I'm looking, and I think it might be Cole Beasley this year. Yeah, Cole, Cole Beasley showed potential to be a good safety valve last year as he was their best over-the-middle Wes Welker-type player. Mm-hmm. So I think that he'll be getting a lot more touches than he did in the past. Um, I'm really big on this being a huge Zeke year. I feel like Me too. that's the way this offense will work. If Zeke can run the ball at the level he did, even last year he was good. Yeah, he was. He just had a – he was suspended, and he had that one bad game against Denver. He's bouncing back. I'm expecting a monster year from Zeke. My prediction is that Zeke will probably lead the league in rushing this year. I'm gonna say 1,600 yards, and I'm very, I'm really hoping that's the case because I would agree that to he go would be back in that. to my fantasy team, he uh, fell to me at the seventh pick, and I, t- I know, I know, I'm very happy about. I that. I was very shocked about that. Oh yeah, I think I wet my pants. It was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, uh, looking to this year, Ezekiel Elliott is basically their entire offense, and given that they have the best O-line in football and also an amazing back, I could see Elliott not only going for 1,600 yards, but I'm going to predict a possible 1,800 yards and 13 touchdowns from Ezekiel Elliott this year, an MVP-type performance. Well, that's what I like to hear. I, I fully agree with that point. Yeah. Um, 
the only bad news about their offensive line this year is Travis Frederick is hurt with a disease that I really I read about it. It's like your muscles eat themselves. Like an autoimmune thing. Autoimmune yeah. disorder. Yeah. Um, that's huge. He is the best center in football, yeah. and a center determines how good your offensive line is going to be. He orchestrates the blocks. He reads the blitzes. It's huge. You can't lose him for more than a few weeks. They're saying this could either be he plays round week two or he's out for the year. It's a huge blow. Not to mention their uh, second-string center, Marcus Martin, was also placed on IR with a toe injury, so he probably won't be back until the middle of the season, if so. Even so, they still have the the best linemen in each of their positions, arguably. So it's going to be a hit. It will still. It won't affect Zeke that much. You don't run up the middle that much. It's more in terms of uh, running around the blockers at like left or right tackle, or in between the guards. Yeah, this is Zeke's. This is Zeke's offense for sure. I would talk about their defense. There's not much what to talk d- what about. What defense? Demarcus there's, there's Lawrence. Defense? Demarcus Lawrence, Tyrone Crawford, Sean Lee, if Xavier Woods, field. who I thought was a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't. I don't know what they're going to get from that. Maybe. Um, Kobe Kingston might come out and help them, but yeah, beside their big three, there's really not a lot of guys that I've even heard of. They got a guy named Taco playing DN. Taco Charlton. Yeah, Taco Charlton. He was supposed to be huge last year. He didn't show up. Yeah, and Randy Gregory, too. He was supposed to be pretty good. He hasn't done that much. No, he's been in trouble with the law a good amount. Yeah, it's hard to say what to expect from him, but he does have potential if he can keep his head straight, but who knows. Who was the Cowboys' number one pick this year? I don't know. Obviously, it's not somebody who meant a lot to us. I know. Their their first round pick was Leighton Vander Esch, the oh, linebacker out of Boise, Boise State. State. Yep. I actually really really like that. I think he's I think he's second on their depth chart. I'm pretty sure behind. I think they have a middle linebacker. Yeah, he's second on their depth chart behind Jalen Smith. Although I think he did play inside in college. He did. I love Boise State. Um, Those guys are fun. It's like Blue Mountain State. The blue field is the best part part of college football. Yeah, uh, the be- he reminds me a lot of Zach Thomas, Ooh. old linebacker yeah, yeah. for the Ooh. Dolphins and Cowboys. Oh. He he's just like you plug him in, he's gonna make a huge difference. I think he is a great blitzer. He's going to make a real big difference in the run game. He needs to work on his zone coverage though. Yeah, he's a great glue guy, but I think that. Working with Sean Lee, who's one of the best coverage linebackers football seen in the past 10 years, arguably, he's mm-hmm. only going up from here. So I think Van Der Esch has a lot of potential and he could become really good. Drafted into a great position. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I'm going to say... You, you want to put them at 500. Come on, it's the Cowboys. I'm saying 8-8. Eight and eight. I'm going to say 9-7 and seven if Zeke has an MVP year. Ooh. Yeah, I agree. 9-7. and seven. Zeke's going to do a lot. Um, and I think that Prescott and those wideouts will be able to get something done, although it won't be anything astronomical, but they do have potential to be good. I don't think they'll be better than the Giants, though. Please, Zeke. My fantasy team needs you, bro. I really hope Zeke does a lot. I'm a huge fan of Zeke. I don't care about his off-the-field issues that much. Um, So the next team we're going to talk about is a team that – I'd say he's on the same level as the Cowboys in terms of what you're thinking is going to happen. Uh, the Tennessee Titans at number 14. Great coaching hire. I love Mike Frabel so much. I loved when that happened. 
I was really confused at that signing, if I'm being honest. Mike Vrabel, to me, didn't have enough coaching experience to go jumping from linebackers coach to defensive coordinator one year to being a head coach for a team that honestly needed an offensive coach. Your quarterback, you spent your number two overall pick on. You need to back him up with an offensive coach. That's the trend right now. If your quarterback is struggling but was drafted high, you repl- you hire a coach for him. Mike Vrabel is not going to do anything valuable to Marcus Mariota's development, no. and it needs to be developed really quick because people are getting sick of this up-and-down roller coaster Marcus Mariota is. I think maybe they were thinking something along, along the lines of, you know, like the Sean McVay hire for the Rams. I mean, he's young, youthful, brings a lot of energy. Maybe that's what they were looking at. I uh, I don't know. Or maybe I, maybe I'm just nostalgic. I loved Mike Vrabel and the Patriots. I, I mean, did Mike too. Vrabel, arguably a top ten tight end in Patriots history, so to speak. So he <laughs> Super Bowl a, performances. Exactly. So he brings a little bit to the offensive table, although it's probably not enough to develop Marcus Mariota into what he's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, Derrick Henry. This is the make or break year. It's been two years. Drafted in the second round. Was behind DeMarco Murray for two of them. This is your time to shine. You are a, He is a physical freak. Mm-hmm. The dude is tall. He's he is ripped. I don't think there's one ounce of fat on that guy. I want him. My, not that I'm planning on getting in bar fights. Also, I'm underage, so that's another thing. But I want that guy on my side in a bar fight. He is big. He's yoked. I am just stunned at how Marcus Mariota is a roller coaster. Two years ago, he looked good. Last year, he disappointed everyone, but it didn't matter. The Titans made the playoffs. Are you about to say something that I could put on a t-shirt? I am. Uh I have an analogy for you guys. Oh, here we go. What is everyone's opinion usually on Hawaiian pizza? It could go either way. I love it. Others hate it. I eat a lot of food, though. That is exactly what Marcus Mariota is. He is the Hawaiian pizza of the NFL. That is an amazing analogy. Marcus... Mariota, buy that t-shirt by experts, I'm cheap. is split. Everyone is on one camp. There's not one person who thinks he's okay. It's either you're like, he's really he has a potential to be really good, or his career's over. They're wasting their time. Is this the year where the people's minds will be made up? I think so. And I'm frankly thinking they're not going to be that excited. I think you're right. I'm just, I don't know. His playoff game last year was just very... It was it was so it was so Marcus Mariota. It wasn't overwhelming. It wasn't underwhelming. It was just he threw a touchdown pass to himself. I I don't know what else to say. It was Blach. You know he did his thing. He made one cool play, I guess. But other than that, he was a game manager. Mm -hmm. Um, the big wide receiver for them this year is Corey Davis. What do we feel like the expectations should be on Corey Davis this year? If the big wide receiver addition is Corey Davis, I think that's just kind of telling. He was on the team last year. I cut that part, then I didn't know that. Yeah, Corey Davis, he's an iffy player because last year, looking at his game log, he only had two games the entire season where he went above 60 yards. Matter of fact, where he went above 50 yards, and that was when they played Oakland week one. He had six catches for 69 yards. And then when they played the Rams week 16, where he had six catches for 91 yards. Aside from that, straight mediocrity from this guy. If you can really step up into the role they need him to, then yeah, it'll be good. But, like, I'm not expecting a lot. I know he's a number one receiver, but I don't know if he can produce the way that they need him to. I'm personally an owner 
of Corey Davis in fantasy football, not by choice, but by default. <laughs> um, Did you auto-pick him? Nope, but I drafted a lot of it running backs a, to start. Then it was a choice. Come it, on. Okay. Admit it. I, I didn't have any good choices. Mm. <laughs> um, so this offense is really a mixed bag. You're you it really a hundred percent depends on Marcus Mariota. I feel like we've said that for a few quarterbacks, but the quarterback is the most important position in football. And if your quarterback's not doing well, it affects how the defense will play against you. Yeah, that's a very fair point. Um, they do have good safety valves though because they do have Delaney Walker, who's been the model underrated tight end. Yeah, he's been very good for a long time, and there's no reason for us to doubt him this year. He's a, he's just still a great player. And then also they had one of the biggest free agent signings of the year in Deion Lewis, who was a great producer on a Super Bowl-level team last year. He's a running back that Mariota hasn't had yet. He hasn't had that pass-catching back that makes a huge difference. He's had DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. for Both, against... both downhill backs. That's not much flexibility on the offensive end. This will open up a lot of avenues for how they can use him. They can line up Deion Lewis in the slot if they wanted to, and he could become a good wide receiver, wide receiving running back. Um, another name that was a big name towards last year was T- Tajay Sharp. He showed up a good amount last year. I think he's kind of like going to get buried behind the depth chart, though, with Corey Davis and Richard Matthews. I'm not expecting a big year out of him. He showed a little flash last year. That's about it, though. Um, so what do you think would be a fair assessment of Derrick Henry this year with Deion Lewis being there? Are we expecting this to be his breakout year, or should we just expect another split? I'm expecting a breakout year because I think that Deion Lewis being there is going to take a lot off his shoulders because Deion Lewis offers everything that Derrick Henry and uh, DeMarco Murray don't offer. Mm-hmm. So now that Derrick Henry can really just focus on what he needs to do and he can rely on another guy to be picked, catching the ball, bouncing to the outside, and everything like that. I expect 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns from Derrick Henry this year. Yeah, I I don't know about the yard prediction. I haven't really thought about it too much, but, I mean, I don't think that's I don't think that's unrealistic by any means. I think, you know, he's just he's going to go straight up the gut every single time. And you're right, the pressure is taken off him with Deion Lewis, so I think it would be pretty good this year. I agree. I think Derrick Henry should have a pretty good year. Deion Lewis will have the year he usually has, probably like around 500 yards rushing, 800 yards receiving, and probably eight touchdowns. And Marcus Mariota will still be mediocre. Do you think he likes Hawaiian pizza? I feel like everyone asks him about that. They'd be like, oh, you're Hawaiian. You like the pizza? Probably not. He probably hates the joke by this point. Probably. We'd love to have you on the podcast. Seriously, <laughs> drop by any time. But um, Marcus Mariota, this is the this is it. Yeah. This Ooh. is the end of Marcus Mariota. Ooh. Oh. Really? I. They're giving up on Jameis. They're yeah. giving up on Marcus. This draft is over. Wow. He hasn't shown anything to say that he's the franchise quarterback. I will remember you. Does this mean that Blaine Gabbert is the potential answer in Tennessee? No, I think this means that they'll be looking to trade up in the draft next year for quarterback. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. Ironically, the top quarterback in this draft is from Oregon. So (laughs) maybe they'll go right back to it. But um, (laughs) I'm saying Marcus Marietta is going to throw 17 touchdowns and he'll have 20 total turnovers. Whoa. 
That's eight more than I was thinking. That's not mm. including interceptions. That will be fumbles from him running the football. Can I get the ratio on that? How, the, how many interceptions and fumbles do you think it'll be? Or which do you think there, there will be more of? I think there will be more interceptions. I could see him getting like five fumbles this year. I could see him trying to run it way up more often than he should and just making bonehead decisions. If yeah, we're going to stick exactly. with 20, I'm going to 20 turnovers. I'm going to say 13 interceptions, seven fumbles. The argument that people are probably going to make about the Marcus Mariota thing is that he's only 25. Doesn't matter how yeah. old you are. You can give up on a quarterback when you realize it's the end. If they're not giving you the like they're not moving you forward. And if this team shows up with and you see that Marcus Mariota is the weakness, you have to let him go. This is Blaine Gabbert's one shining moment. It's not. Blaine <laughs> brings the pain, baby. Now we're going to a quarterback that everyone is high on. Every single person I know loves this guy. I'm not. It's the Kansas City Chiefs with Pat Mahomes. He's awesome. I think he's great for somebody like Tyreek Hill. What exactly is it that you like about Mahomes? I like a quarterback who can actually throw the ball deep. And they've got a deep threat in Tyreek Hill. Travis Which Alex Smith used. That's true. I don't know. Not that I didn't like Alex Smith. I'm just really, really excited about Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and also uh, they've got Sammy Watkins this year, who's another deep threat, which will be good for Mahomes. That's very true. Uh, Sammy Watkins was really good in the red zone last year. Like, he didn't produce many points in yards, but he was the red zone target for the Rams towards the later end of the year. Um, I feel like this situation reminds me a ton of the Colin Kaepernick-Alex Smith situation, which I know it involves Alex Smith in both, but I really feel like this is the exact I same movement. Alex Smith did not give you one reason to get rid of him. I feel like he produced his best year last year, and you dump him off in a trade to the Washington Redskins because you believe Pat Mahomes, the young kid who can run the ball and throw it deep, is going to be your answer. I don't see that happening. That transition is going to not be as quick as people are thinking. He played one game in the regular season last year, and he looked good. And he's looked really good in preseason. But I think it, teams are going to figure him out very quickly. He's not a, like He doesn't have many different attributes to his game that are like going to break through defensive schemes. Yeah, I think that the best thing that he's got going for him is the weapons around him because it's really an endless supply with, with Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, and uh, Travis Kelsey, which are three – Pro Bowl level players at each of the skill positions. And then also with their depth, uh, Sammy Watkins isn't bad. Spencer Ware has shown flashes of being all right. And then their O-line is respectable. I'm on the Mahomes hype train, but I think, as Sam just said, with all the weapons around him, if he doesn't produce pretty well this year, that's pretty telling. I think they can't give up on him now. He probably has a four- to five-year lifespan if he's bad. And also, it's Chad Henney behind him, you know? He's like, oh. what, 48 years old and also a former Dolphins starting quarterback. So there's only and Jags. and Jags. He lost his job to Blake Bortles in Blake Bortles' rookie year. Oh, don't get Mr. Walsh started on Chad Henney. You all know what he feels. <laughs> um, greatest thing since Christ. Should No one's talking about it, but should we expect a drop in production from Kareem Hunt? I mean, last year he showed up for the first half of the season and he died at the end of the season. His production fell off a cliff. Is that telling that the teams figured him out? My guess is this is a fresh legs thing with Kareem Hunt because he burst onto the scene. You could see he had the spurt. He had the quickness and everything that you would want in a great running back. And then come towards the end of the season, he didn't really have that like short burst that we saw at the beginning that really gave him what he wa- made him what he was. Because I remember in that first game against uh, the Pats, it was like every time he touched the ball, it was 0-60 to 60 in like half a second. Yeah, but I don't. 
I see him starting off again well, and then I see him pulling a Chris Sale and falling off at the end of the season again. All right. Um, who should have more touchdowns this year? Travis Kelsey. Kelsey. Or Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is their biggest red zone target. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm 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 honestly very high on the Sammy Watkins pick because Sammy Watkins was huge in Buffalo on the deep balls. And if we're telling everyone that Patrick Mahomes has a great cannon, Jared Goff did not have the same arm that Pat Mahomes does. Pat Mahomes throws the ball deep very well. Yeah. So that should really help Sammy Watkins get those yards. 60-plus like yards easily. This team is a – like. It's going to go boom or bust in terms of yeah. every possession. Either they're going to make a huge – I don't see them being a team that, like, beats you down, like, with little slants over and over and over. They're going to go huge. Yeah, there's going to be no nickeling and diming from these guys. It's going to be pure big play after big play with them. Um, this kind of reminds me a little bit of the early to late 70s Chargers led by Dan Fouts and Kellen Winslow. Where Air entire, San Diego. Air San Diego, exactly. Uh, Don Coria, Air Coriel. Mm-hmm. I could see that somewhat happening here. Obviously not to the same Hall of Fame extent, but the potential is there because they've got the tight end, they've got the wideouts, and they have got the absolute cannon for an arm of Patrick Mahomes. Um, they got rid of Marcus Peters, who was their best defensive player. Uh, this should probably impact them in a big way because they don't really have a corner that's going to step into being Marcus Peters. Yeah, past Eric Berry, who's obviously playing safety. Uh, Steven Nelson, Kendall Fuller, they got Orlando Scandrick, but he's kind of old, so a lot of questions with this with this secondary. There shouldn't be any questions in terms of their linebacking core, though. It's pretty solid. Yeah, uh, Justin Houston still playing somehow. He's like 48 years old, but he's still doing his thing. D Ford's pretty good. Yep. Reggie Ragland's a pretty consistent linebacker. He's not like gonna jump out, but he, I I always he, thought of him as like a middle tier linebacker. Yeah, he's consistent, you know, and that's that's all you can really ask for in today's NFL. Just a guy who can go in week out, week in and week out that you can rely on. And uh, Ragland's proved to be one of those guys. They're gonna probably miss having Tomba Ali there. They don't have a real solid pass rush looking at this depth chart. Uh, I mean... They've got Chris Jones, who all I really remember about him was him being overweight, but I'm reading that he's lost weight, so maybe he'll have a breakout (laughs) year. Congratulations, Chris. Uh, Yeah, this team, it's coached by Andy Reid. That just means they're going to lose in the first round, I feel like, by default. Exactly, Andy Reid is settling for a good regular season and then playoff mediocrity. I know this is the most talked about thing when people talk about Andy Reid, but his clock management is terrible. It's the worst in the history of the NFL. I just, I really don't get how he hasn't learned how to coach it. Like, he's a really good coach in the regular season. It's not going to probably ever plateau past that Eagles Super Bowl he was coached coaching in. I don't see a playoff berth for this team. I think of them pretty low. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. I, I think, think it's, that there's a small chance that they steal like a wild card spot. Yeah, I think so too. But they're not gonna eh, they're not gonna beat the Jags of the division. So, or no, they're in the West. They're not gonna beat the um, Broncos or even the Chargers. Yeah, I think the Broncos are better. Yeah, I agree. 
Uh, I'd rather have Case Keenum right now than have Pat Mahomes. Yeah, I'll take experience over youth. If you put Case Keenum into this Chiefs team, it's the equivalent of having Alex Smith. Would you say that they win the division if they have Case Keenum? I think they would have won the division if they had Alex Smith. I'd, I'd say that's a fair, fair point.